0: God said, I need somebody strong enough to clear trees
1: and heave bales, yet gentle enough to yean lambs and wean pigs and tend the pink-combed pullets who will stop his mower for an hour to splint the broken leg of a meadowlark. So God made a farmer.
0: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Um, again, uh, we are Troy and Kelly, not Harold, so you may be wondering what's up with Harold. Uh, but we are filling in for him again. We wanted to just, uh, quickly jump into just reminders of check us, uh, check out what Harold's got going on at smalltownhomestead.com. And also be sure to be a part of the Homestead, uh, front porch, uh, group on Facebook. A uh, lot of, lot of growth there and a lot of good discussion, a uh, lot of good discussion this week that I was looking at. So be sure to check those out again. Um, again, as we mentioned, we're filling in for, uh, for Harold right now. He's, uh, has some personal issues going on with the family and I do have some updates on that. I'll share here shortly, but, uh, Kelly and I were husband and wife and we are in, uh, central West Virginia. We have red tool house farm and we've been running that for a while and, uh, we have our own YouTube channel, our website and, and, uh, Harold has featured us on the podcast before, uh, but we're filling in for him and, and, um, hope that, uh, we can, uh, raise the bar or keep the bar where it's been set with Harold. He's been doing a great job. And, and if you guys listened to us last week, we probably owe you an apology. We know our audio was a little bit off, so we've uh, hopefully corrected that issue now. And, and that's what I get for trying to use my video mics uh, when, uh, when I'm doing podcasting. It's kind of new for us. We're not, we're not podcasters. So, so uh, also, like I said, I mentioned, I wanted to uh, give you an update on Harold's situation. I just spoke with him earlier today via the World Wide Web. And he was letting me know that his uh, his grandson is home now and doing much better. So uh, mama and baby are home and doing well. Uh, so uh, you know, answered a prayer there and, and a blessing. Uh, his mom, however, is in ICU right now and uh, due to some surgery complications. So uh, she's she still has uh, some things to overcome. So uh, again, if you guys are prayers, please pray for her and, and uh, just keep her in your prayers and and pray for healing there. So, um, hopefully, Harold will be back. I think tentatively he was. We were discussing he may be back next week if if he can get a handle on some of the other things he's got going on. Uh, so I'm sure all you guys are going, "Yay, Harold's coming back!" <laughs> so, <laughs> we miss him too. So we're anxious to get him back and and be able to listen to some of the you know the great stuff that he talks about. So what are we gonna talk about today? Well, first we wanted to kind of give some updates. Again, um, many of you probably have no idea who we are and, and and maybe some of this stuff doesn't make sense. If you're curious, you can go back and, and look at some of the past episodes. Like I said, there was one episode where Harold Her- interviewed us at Red Toolhouse Farm. I believe that was in October, I'm, I believe. Or you can go to redtoolhouse.com and, and see details there and that'll have links to all of our information as well as our YouTube channel. Um, well, where we are right now, we in central West Virginia in the middle of February, we'd normally be uh, kinda iced in and, and dealing with snow and that type of stuff. And today it was what, almost seventy degrees, Kel?
1: Yeah, we were in the mid sixties, I believe. Yeah,
0: yeah, so it's it was nice. great. I'm running around with a T shirt on in, in middle February. That just seems odd. So um so we had uh, we had a nice day today. In fact we're a little tired, so if we, we sound a little goofy or we sound uh like maybe we're talking in circles, we apologize in advance. But uh a little tired, did a lot of work outside today and took advantage of this weather. But, um, so updates from our, our farm our, our homestead, what we've got going on. We, uh, we raise pastured uh, hogs. So we have, uh, we're in a point in our season where, uh, our first round of hogs have been processed and they're ready to um, pick up from our processor and deliver to our clients. So we're excited about that. Uh, it's kind of a, um, the end of a seven-month uh, stretch there, so we're excited to get that in the hands of people and see how that. Uh, yeah, hopefully they're they're as pleased with it as we've been in the past. So, um, so we'll be picking up. We'll be transporting hogs. They're a lot easier to transport back than transporting up, aren't they?
1: Yes, <laughs> makes for a smoother ride. <laughs> it does.
0: It does. Yeah, they, they when they're in the little freezer packs, they don't move around as much. <laughs> so, um, so we're glad to have that ready, and and then we've got um, what do we have? Nine more.
1: We have nine more. Uh, that we will be transporting uh, to the processor in March.
0: Yeah, March thirteenth, I believe. And the, and the reason why we pushed that back, because these now those pigs are going to be almost eight months old, which is a little bit further than I like to go, and and your your feed conversion starts to drop off there a little bit, a little bit further than I want to go. But we're going to be having uh, we're we're expecting next week. Yeah, so next yeah next week we're expecting next week. So we didn't want to line up my. Uh, a transport of our last batch of hogs the uh, same time as as we're expecting uh, two of our sows to farrow because they kind of share the same space. Our barn is is limited in size, and our load shoots and all that are pretty much in the same area. And I just I just didn't want to have the stress as the two sows try to we're trying to coax them into the barn so they'll nest and, and farrow in there versus going out in the woods on the pasture and and farrowing. So I don't want to have all the stress of of you know, loading these piglets and all that, uh, cause they get a little stressed out, which of course would stress out the mamas and, and just make things complicated. So we're going to be cool and smooth and we're going to ride for um, a couple more weeks on that. So we'll just have bigger pigs to take uh, on the 13th, so. Well, another exciting bit of news that we had, and I am just giddy with this. Um, as we've mentioned, we've had such a warm uh, winter that had a lot of rain, uh, uh, more rain than we normally get. But mix that with the fact that it's not snow and the temperatures have been so warm. Um, we have just just had a copious amounts of mud. It's, it's been ridiculous. Um, again, when you have a bunch of pigs running around, they churn it like a butter churn. So all that mud just keeps churning and churning. And, and being down around the barn, we had some open soil from where we had some excavating done this October. So it's just been a mess. So the great news was I finally decided to get off my wallet and I ordered 26 tons of gravel to put around the barn there. So what was normally axle deep on my side by side is now glorious gravel. I was spinning and dancing and twirling around. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was quite nice. My uh, my father came down and helped me spread it out. We used the used the uh, front loader on the tractor and the and the box scraper. Of course, it was one of those deals where the this guy's rolling in with a dump truck with 26 tons on it, and, and you're wondering, okay, how far back can he go before he sinks up to his axles and gets stuck? And what in the world can I begin to pull a 26-ton dump truck out with? But fortunately, he didn't do that. He, he was a good, good driver, and we assessed the situation and got him as close as we could, and then we just uh, spread and trammed the rest with a tractor. So that worked out well for us. All right, so uh, what else? Well, we talked about uh, we took advantage of the weather today and we're trying to clear pasture on our property. We have a hundred acres that it's primarily wooded. Back in the fifties and sixties this was a working farm um, as best we can tell and what we've heard from the neighbors, but uh, uh, so you take about fifty, sixty years worth of growth coming back. so ninety eighty to ninety percent of the property is still under woods. Um, say it's all grown back over. So we're trying to clear, make more room for our, our, our pigs. So we were able to get out and, and cut some brush and clear some of that out. And so had a nice brush fire going today, and, and you don't realize how strenuous that is until you, you go to sit down and and realize every muscle in your body is sore. That's something about not being 25 anymore that kind of catches up with you this time. So how are you feeling? Are you... Uh, <laughs> I'm a little tired, a little mobile. sore,
1: but I think all these farmers probably know this just as well as we do.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, hard as you worked, and then you still sit down and did your exercises this evening, which I like to sit and have a drink and watch her do her exercises. So. <laughs> <clears throat> all right, so, um, <laughs> that was great. So, um, one other thing that we did, uh, we just did that last night, we are, we are, um, we have chickens as well, we've had egg-laying chickens, we've had those for a while, and and we've, uh, dabbled in, uh, meat chickens before we've raised some for our own consumption and butchered that. So that's, that's not new for us, but this year we want to look at raising more, not just for our personal consumption, but again, for some of our, our customers, some of our customers that get our eggs that get our pork, uh, chicken just seems to be the logical next step. And of course, everybody thinks, uh, when you do meat chickens, that you go to the, the old fallback, the, the rock of all, uh, meat chickens is the Cornish cross. Uh, the Frankenstein chicken, Goliath chicken, and uh, Cornish cross kind of gets a bad rap. They, some people, people think they're genetically modified and they're this and that, and they're not, they're not natural. They do grow very fast and they look kind of cumbersome. They're not the prettiest bird in the world, but they aren't genetically modified. Now they are bred. They're. Their, their breeding has been done where they've, they've kind of nailed that down to know, okay, by mixing these specific breeds of chickens and, and maintaining these genetics, we can get a chicken that swells up like a balloon in seven weeks. So um, so that's the thing. And of course, you know, you have the issues with that sometimes of health issues. Um, but yeah, you know, we've discovered that if you do those on pasture and uh, not just keep them in a building and, and pump and feed in them all the time, you, you still get a better quality of chicken. It tastes really good. Um, and, and we
1: watched a few YouTube videos recently, uh, someone else doing it and doing it very successfully, and so now we're all pumped to try it ourselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've watched. Um, yeah, I have a good plug for him. I don't, I've never met the guy, I never talked to him, but uh, Farm Marketing Solutions, John Siskovich. Some of you guys may have listened to his podcast for a while. I don't think he's doing as much podcasting now as he's uh, moved over to YouTube, uh, but he's he's got a really cool uh, gig up in uh, Connecticut and been doing pastured poultry for a while. He does it through a CSA program, and uh, really like his model. Uh, it's very similar. I mean, obviously, he, he admits that he he based that off the Salatin model, which I think that's what everybody's doing now when it comes to pastured, pastured poultry, is using the, the drag pens or the chicken tractors, whatever term you want to use. So, um, yeah, really neat setup, and that's been our motivation. We, we've seen what uh, Joel Salatin has obviously been promoting for years, and and John Siskovich has done, and that's that's inspired us as well. But this time, instead of just ordering ordering Cornish Cross, we're looking at uh, we want to do the old Pepsi challenge here. We're going to do Cornish Cross, Cornish Cross and Red Rangers. I can't say Cornish Cross fast and Red Rangers. So Red Rangers are more of a heritage style breed, um, non-commercial breed, if you will. And as we're reading some of the stats on them, we see that, okay, they, they supposedly reach a heavier weight than the Cornish Cross, but they take, uh, what, about three more weeks? Yeah, I think it's at 11 to, weeks. Yeah, yeah, 11 weeks total versus, you know, seven, nine weeks for the Cornish Cross. So we're curious what we're going to do. We, we decided we're going do, uh, do to do an actual scientific study as we can get, and, and we'll get, we're getting 15 Cornish Cross in and, and 15 uh, Red Rangers in early. In fact, they'll be coming in uh, here next month. And we'll get them out on pasture, and we'll we'll uh, have them in their own uh, tractors, their own drag pens, give them the same feed ratio, give them the same water, obviously the same pasture, and we'll just see. Um, when we're ready to process the Cornish Cross, we'll maybe take one or two rangers out and weigh the, uh, process those and weigh them and see where we are, and and see if it's it's time to process those or go ahead and take those out to the 11 weeks. And of course, we'll you know, the ultimate test is the taste test. So we'll obviously have some fried chicken and that kind of stuff going on. So. Um, we'll document that as well on our, our YouTube channel and, and uh, maybe, um, uh, if, if Harold's up to it, maybe we'll come back and discuss that as well with, with this group. So, uh, so that's what we've got going on. Really excited about, um, about that. Um, that was one thing, uh, one thing I thought was funny when we were, um, kind of totally off topic, but going back to burning brush today, I was, I was thinking of what, uh, the boys kept looking at me funny and they, they were laughing each time they saw me this, this evening. And uh, then, then Kelly uh, came up to me, and and uh, she goes, what is wrong with you? And, and uh, of course, I had no idea, and, and she takes a picture of me and shows me with her phone. I had, I'd evidently reached down and picked up a, um, a charred log with my glove on, and, and then uh, it you know, scratched my face or whatever. So I had this big handprint on the side of my face, just solid black, and everybody just thought that was hilarious. And so when I looked at the picture. I looked like an extra in Braveheart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Run around going, freedom, yeah, big old handprints. So, yeah, it should have been blue, right? Exactly, <laughs> so yeah. So, uh, running around that uh, the kids thought that was funny, they thought, What in the world are you guys doing out there? So, what are we going to discuss this time? Well, we thought about uh, we, we kind of have some bait, debate about this again. We're not podcasters, this is new to us, and, and we're used to having the ability to edit and, and cut and redo with video work that we do on our channel. So, this is kind of new to us. We're trying not to be uh. Uh, do a bunch of editing we definitely don't want to send a bunch of stuff to harold that he has to edit so um, what we dis- we discussed back and forth was either homeschooling or raising hogs Now i know that's a pretty broad difference there but uh, both are important to us and both happen here regularly um, but uh, we decided instead we'd maybe meet in the middle and we'd talk about homesteading hogs so so this will be an interesting topic as we talk about how to homeschool your pigs no, actually. Um, we decided that um, homes- homeschooling obviously is um, is a huge, huge topic to get into. And um, it's one of those things where it could be a little controversial, would you say, Kel? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some people feel that um, we have some friends that look at us like we have three eyes because we homeschool our kids and have. I mean, we've got a 15-year-old and an 11-year-old and, and um, you know, they're not, losers, right? So they're, I mean, they're still, (laughs) seem to be productive citizens so far.
1: It's, it's definitely been one of the best decisions we've ever made for us. I mean, it's worked. We, and, and we're passionate about it. It's been just a great experience for us. And, um, we won't go into this, but just a little information is we were thinking about doing this before our first son went into kindergarten and decided to go ahead and give it a try in kindergarten and loved it so much that we've just kept trucking along. So it's been going great.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely, and there's, again, we can talk about all the situations as to what led us to that, and that that's that's fodder for another discussion. But um, one thing I will say, and because and, I don't want to roll a grenade into this podcast and then you know, walk away from it, but um, you know, we're obviously talking in this group, Harold, Harold's group, Harold's audience is homesteaders, and, um, some may feel, well, if you're not homeschooling, you're not a real homesteader. Uh, obviously you may not have kids. You may be at the point where your kids are out of the house. Um, it may not be an issue for you, but we don't feel that way. Uh, we feel that, um, if for us, it was a logical conclusion. If we're, if we're taking care of raising our own food, we're taking care of trying to be more self-reliant, uh, more independent on these things. Why not obviously go ahead and, and take control over our education for our kids but quite frankly, we, we homeschooled way before we started homesteading. So, uh, regardless of, of our position on homesteading, we were already invested in homeschooling, uh, 15 years or what, uh, well, you knew you were going to take care of him when he was born, uh, that way, but, uh, so, but you've been homeschooling for now, what, Liam's in ninth grade? Yes. Yeah. So kindergarten, so 10 years. So, so we knew from the start that that's what we wanted to do. So, um, we'll stick a pin in that discussion and we'll just save that for some other time. But we
1: definitely realize it's not for everyone. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we were joking with a friend of ours from high school. We were communicating on Facebook and he was, he was a little frustrated with his, his son's public school, uh, talking, you know, teaching civics and the civics was, was way off of what, uh, what was accurate with our founding fathers and type of thing so he was a little aggravated and and I, I ribbed him a little bit said so, oh you got you got to just pull him out and homeschool him you're 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 a great dad you are <laughs> great homeschooling and he's like absolutely not that never happened in a million years so yeah it, it's one of those things and that's
1: things. totally cool i mean yeah it, it is what it is fits it is your situation yeah and
0: i like the fact that you know if if you don't if you feel you can't or you obviously you know financially it's financial situation because you you quit a professional job you were a you were an accountant you're making more money than I was when, when our oldest was born. And, and, uh, so yeah, it was a, it was a big financial burden for us immediately to say, okay, you're going to stay home, raise our child. And when it's time that, uh, to go to school, you're going to obviously opt out of getting back into work and, and take care of, take care of the education of our son. So it's a big commitment financially. It's a big commitment of time. Um, you know, don't let, um, <clears throat> Anybody fool you that a homeschooling mom, you just sits around on the couch and eats bonbons and tells her kids to go do whatever. I've seen Kelly work her fingers to the bone. She's usually up later than I am on Sunday nights doing lesson plans for the next week. So, but it's one of those things. If, if you don't, if you think that homeschooling is not for you, um, then, uh, just be involved in your kid's education, wherever that may be, whether it's public school, private school, Christian school, whatever, just be more involved in that. And, and, uh, that's, that's our challenge. You know, you know, if you're a the homesteading mentality, you want to raise your food, you want to raise this, you want to be more self-reliant, and your kids still go to public school or private school, that's fine. But just be more engaged. Make sure you're you're definitely checking out and seeing what your kid's being taught and understanding that. Well, I said our topic wasn't going to be about homesteading, and I just talked about that for the last 10 minutes, didn't I? It's like we're, we're like... Um, like the dogs on the, that that cartoon the kids watch the squirrels <laughs> talk about this. Let's All get right. back on track. Let's get back to pigs. All right, so um, much less controversial is raising pigs. So where to where to begin? Well, what I want to talk about, and and we did a video on this uh, just here recently. The reason why I want to talk about this and kind of overlap is um, it it just brought up a lot of discussion. And after we shot the video, we've had some additional discussion. We belong to another Facebook group that's called Pastured Pigs. And uh, there's people with pork operations that make us look like, you know, you you just need a one-time show type of thing. I mean, these guys are raising One guy had 40 sows that were farrowing all at once. So, my goodness, even if you had just a smaller litter of 8 to 10, you're looking at 400 400 piglets hitting the ground at the same time. I can't imagine that. But but anyway, so uh, after we've done this video and i shared that on these groups we got some really good feedback from people have been doing this way longer than we have in a much bigger operation and they really liked you know they they agreed with a lot of the data that i put out uh they gave some recommendations of how i could even straighten up one guy was even telling me he's like hey your feed feed costs are high so if you could find cheaper feed but he he even suggested uh, dosing my feed a little differently he said you should be able to cut your feed consumption in half you Pigs shouldn't be eating that much feed. So, um, so yeah, and again, that's kind of debatable. Uh, with with our pasture that we have, and, and by pasture we say uh, some grass, woodlot, that type of thing. It's not like you look out and see, we're in West Virginia, so nothing's flat. So it's not like you look out and see this this beautiful you know cow pasture that my pigs are frolicking through. That's it's, Right now it looks like the surface of the moon because they have just stripped it all down to nothing. But... But anyway, so that's why we want to come back and kind of rehash this uh, subject. Obviously, you know, different, different uh, different group of people listening to this, different audience. But uh, we felt we'd go ahead and discuss this because uh, I think it's, it's pertinent. So wh- how is this pertinent to the homesteading group? Well, here's the thing. We as homesteaders obviously want to be as self-reliant as possible. Um, most of us uh, either dream or we're trying to or we fantasize about saying, hey, I want to be a true homesteader and I don't want to have to go to a day job anymore. I want to stay at home. I want to raise my own money, that type of thing. Well, we know the days, the 18th century days of just not needing currency are gone. We have to pay taxes. We have to pay utility bills. Uh, Obviously, if you're listening to this, you still have an internet connection somehow, whether it's your phone or your computer. So you got to, there's still expenses. Gone are the days where you don't need money to exist in this great country. So, uh, So what do we look for? We look for ways that we can make money and we look for ways that we can you know, obviously uh, make money that allows us to stay home more or you know, maybe not completely, maybe we can't quit our day job, but at least we can supplement our income for what reasons? Well, for reasons of, of maybe staying home or paying off some bills, getting out of debt, working in that direction, or obviously expanding our homestead. You know, we like to uh, we like to take this money from the pigs and just reinvest it in our homestead and, and do neat things and try new stuff. Because to, to us, that's kind of the, more of the situation is the experience as much as the end game. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm self-employed, so I, my, I don't hate my day job. Uh, I still go to an office, but it's it's my office. Uh, I, I dig that just as much as I, I like doing the homesteading. But it's really fun to to try these new things. So that's that's kind of the point here. So if you're a homesteader, you're looking to homestead, uh, you're looking and you say, I gotta have some extra money, what do I do? Well, if you want extra money and you really like bacon, then we suggest, we suggest checking out pigs. <clears throat> So, so consider talk. So let's, let's talk, Kel, let's, let's talk about pros and cons first before we get into the, the nuts and bolts. I don't want to, I don't want to start off and bore people to death with uh, the accounting side of this, but let's talk about the pros and cons of pig of pigs. So what would you say uh, off the top of your head would, would be pros and cons of having pigs on your homestead?
1: Well, definitely um, the pros, it, it's just been a great experience for us, um, especially with kids. And we've done the whole AI, so we've bred our pigs, and we've um, had several litters now, and it's just been a great experience. So we are so excited about delivery date coming up next weekend. Um, That's definitely the biggest pro. Um, uh, One of the cons I might think of is they definitely do some destruction. and you've got to have them in a place that it's okay for them to tear up the ground which is a good thing for us where we have them because we're trying to clear more pasture land so we're letting them be our um, clear the clearers of our land so that's been good
0: yeah they are like little animals with shovels on the end of their faces that just they keep digging stuff you you say <clears throat> destruction and I think of a story that um, is one of those things. For all you guys listening out there, you can you can know, you can, uh, you can uh, kind of feel where I'm coming from here. When when your your best laid plans kind of mess up and and kind of jack up what your wife's got going on, uh, reminisce a little bit, Kel, about the one time you 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 text me uh, at the office to say because uh, we had uh, our piglets. They were just weaned, so they were getting away from their moms. Uh, well, they
1: weren't just weaned. I think they were really several weeks. I mean, no, they were several weeks past being weaned, but still small. Um, and we have the single strand of electric uh, around the pig pasture. Well, we kept it at a height, um, that the babies wouldn't get hurt. And we knew that they would stay pretty close to their moms. So they would come under in certain points. Well, anyway, they made it up to the house and, um, I haven't had landscaping for very long. Um, and I'm just checking out the window one day and see them all in the front yard and digging up my plants. I was ready to kill them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so I get a I get a text message. I'm in I'm in a meeting. I get a text message that says your pigs are in our landscaping and they're eating everything. So they became just like my kids when they mess up. They <laughs> became my pigs. So Yeah, so at that point there was you know twenty some piglets just you know, turning over landscaping and eating everything. So yeah, that was that was a bit of a downer. But uh, so, yeah, so so pigs are fun. The experience is great. They're obviously destructive. Any other pros or cons you see there?
1: Um, they've been we've talked about this many times, but they've been um, one of the best animals, I think, to start out with. I mean, we started out with chickens um, and then they were the next animal that we added. I think that that was that's a good one to start out with.
0: Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. It, I think we're, we're maybe in the minority when it comes to that, because people feel that, that raising pigs is, is a big deal, but yeah, you're, you're, you hit the nail on the head. Cause we sat around for probably way longer over analyzing things like we like to, uh, to think, what are we going to do next? And, um, we had chickens and we thought, okay, you know, goats, cows, pigs, what are we doing? Well, the you know, first thing I started looking at was just the cost of fencing alone. You know, they say the only good goat fence you have is, a, is, you know, you build your fence and you take a bucket of water and throw it at it. And if any water gets through, then it's not good enough for goats. I've never had goats. I don't know, uh, you know, some people could attest to that better than I could. But um, from what I read, it's like, okay, you got to have really good goat fencing. My brother has sheep and, and the sheep spend more time on the outside of the fence than they do on the inside of the fence. And uh, then, of course, you know, cattle. My goodness, uh, we don't have enough cleared land for cattle, and every piece of equipment you need seems to be bigger. You need to be bigger for cattle. That's a bigger. little
1: intimidating, too. Yeah,
0: bigger tractors, you know, bigger animals, period. So we just kept coming back, and, and uh, our best inspiration was a podcast, right?
1: Oh, yes, Chicken Thistle.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was great. I know they've we they've,
1: learned so much from them.
0: Yeah. They've kind of backed off a bit. Uh, I know they just did an update podcast in December, but I think it may have been their farewell podcast. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, they were, they were extremely transparent about their operation and, and my goodness, I mean, kudos to them because, uh, they were our uh, sole inspiration to say, okay, I think we can do this. Let's give this a try. And uh, what I discovered when it came back to looking at the fencing costs, it's like, okay, everybody says electric fence. We could do electric fence. That's not a problem. Electric fence wire is cheap. The insulators are cheap. Pigs don't jump. They're not athletic. So it's not like they're going to be jumping over a four-foot fence. So we we discovered pretty quickly that once they get trained to that electric, and it's all about having really good electric fence, I mean, you want to... You want to smell bacon when they walk into it type of thing. Yeah. You, you, really want to, you really want to train them. And they are those animals are not dumb. They yeah. are smart animals.
1: And as soon as they learn about that electricity, those mama pigs will not even come near. Even when you take the fence down, they will not oh, cross yeah. that line.
0: Yeah, that, that was one thing I had discovered too in the loading area that you, you go back to building solid fence with boards and, and hog panels and those things because you don't want electric anywhere around there. If they think... Hey, you're squeezing me into a spot that's got electric. Ain't happening, Jack. I'm not coming anywhere near there. So, uh but yeah, they're they're really smart animals, and they know electric. And they can sense. It's like that shovel in their face is, is just very sensitive, and they know what's going on. They can sense that electric fence is on because I've, I've I've noticed. In fact, I meant to tell you this story the other day, Kel. I noticed that uh, um, in in obviously through the winter, I'm trying to relocate some of our fencing. I had uh, a strand of electric uh, wire had been left on the ground or whatever and it gotten partially buried and was unearthed here with all this mud moving. So here's a uh, about a 10 foot strand of wire laying on the ground and I notice you can look at the footprints the hoof prints in the mud. Pigs aren't anywhere near it. So they completely walk around it even though it's nowhere near a live line. It's just a piece of scrap laying out in the middle of the pasture and they're avoiding it like the plague. So, you know, it's a tiny little strand of wire that you know, I don't know how good pigs eyesight is, but my goodness, they, they definitely knew where it was and they stayed away from it. So it's funny. So, so as I picked it up, I mean, you could walk, I could walk around with wire in my hand and I could, you know, corral them that way. Cause it, they're just so intimidated by it. But, um, but yeah, so the pig fencing was really inexpensive. I mean, obviously you invest, invest a lot of money in a, in a good charger. Like I said, you can't, you can't go wrong. You can't have too big a charger. Uh, unless you back into yourself, which I could tell stories about that as well. Um, but yeah, we, so we decided, okay, well, the fencing seemed to be inexpensive. Um, so we we jumped right into it. We bought three hogs, uh, three piglets uh, just after weaning on a whim quite a few years ago and said, okay, let's give this a shot. And then we've just, we've loved it ever since. So, so yeah, the, as Kelly talked about the experience and, you know, as being one of the pros, if you could unpack that statement, say, well, what are what is it about the experience? Again, like we mentioned, we homeschool, so bang, here's instant science biology lesson on a regular basis. Um, as I'm doing artificial insemination, I get to explain to the boys um, very clearly and very plainly what's going on here. That yeah, we're making bacon, but we're we're making it in a way that I'm substituting uh, some of the natural process. And then of course, the birthing process is is just you know phenomenal to, for the boys to see that and again we've we've had some loss, so uh that allows us to have that conversation with them as well that obviously this is this is a fallen world, things die and that, that type of stuff so um it's just something to get used to and uh but then the, that first what do we say the first three or four weeks when the piglets are little
1: they are just well, we said this on the last podcast, but they are just like. Puppy dogs running around, chasing each other, spinning around in circles. It's its just awesome. And the kids love that. It is. It and they, is. And they, we we go down and we sit down in the hay sometimes um, nearby, but trying not to get in between the mamas and the babies, but just to be near them. And, and the babies will always, they're very curious, and they are always coming up to um, smell us and, and get in our laps. And its it's just been great.
0: Yeah and and that's the thing uh, again it's it's one of those situations if if you think about putting pigs on on your homestead uh obviously the number is is key but no matter what whether you got 2 whether you got 200 uh if you can spend time get down there with the piglets if you've got kids grandkids then it really is a great experience they they're, they're they are the most playful animal you, you, they're kind of like a dog they're kind of like a cat they're, they're you. Know, but they're they're their own thing, their own personalities, and they are hilarious. They spin around, do backflips, and of course, they're sometimes gangly. Remember, we had that one um, that one we called Fergus. That pig wasn't right. Something <laughs> he was too funny. <laughs> something wasn't right with him. He he had maybe he needed glasses or something, but he would spin around and he'd get himself so dizzy that he'd take off running. And we have we actually have a video. I don't think it's on our YouTube channel. We've got it in just our our computer, but. He took off running, ran, yeah, he was spinning around, got himself dizzy and took off running, ran smack into a T-post and then it just, it stunned him so bad. He's just kind of like, <laughs> you can almost see the little bird, cartoon birds flying around his head there. But, uh, yeah, that was hilarious. In fact, we, we did, we did post some videos on our Facebook channel of Fergus cause I remember people asking me, Oh, how's Fergus? What's yes. Fergus doing? Now, Fergus was yeah. tasty too, honey.
1: <laughs> well, we don't know. <laughs> yeah,
0: so that's that's the one thing, and I will, uh, yeah. That we joke about that, but that is the one thing. Obviously, the more time you spend with your pigs and get them tame, get them used to you, then the easier it's going to be to handle those. But you got to watch. You can't let that. If your goal is to obviously make some money and obviously put some food in your freezer, you can't let that connection get too personal. Where you say, okay, this is like taking the family dog to the processor. Um, yeah, that, that's not, that's not easy to do. So even with our kids, we've, we explained to them, um, you know, guys, we're going to enjoy this. This is one of God's creations. We're going to enjoy this. And, and, uh, this pig, we're going to give it, we're going to let it be a pig. It's going to have every day of its life is going to be great. And it's going to have one bad day. That's kind of how we look at it. So, um, we're, we let a pig be a pig. So that's why they tear stuff up. We don't ring. We don't do the things to, to, we don't do ferrying crates. We don't do, we, we let a pig be a pig. Um, so they, they should be happy pigs up until the unhappy day, but you know, they live a life cycle and, and they, they provide, we, we breed, we keep genetics alive of, of certain breeds that are, are certain ones that we like that we see have good, um, confirmation, good personalities and are good mamas. So, uh, so yeah, we, we keep a legacy. We've got a pig legacy. And, uh, well, that first time we, uh, we went to process, we had our first three pigs and, and, um, we, we bred two. In fact, we still have, we still have one of those pigs. Yep, yeah. She's actually s- pregnant right now. She's going to be Abigail. She's the one
1: that's due in a week. Yeah.
0: Yeah. She's been a great pig. So yeah, she's got grandkids. Did you have great kids, great grandkids yes. running around yet? Yep. Yeah. So, um, so she's been a great sow. Uh, but, uh, her sister and, uh, another pig, we, we got three at the very beginning and Abigail's all we have left. But when we've got the first three, we decided, okay, we're gonna breed these two. We're gonna breed Abigail and Molly, who was a big, big white land race, big, big pig, very ill-tempered, but mm. uh, big pig. But she was fun too. She was, yeah. <laughs> she just hateful. She like cranky old woman all the time. Um, but uh, the other one, Notch, is what the boys named her. We uh, we decided we we're gonna process Notch. So that was our first foray into okay, this is gonna be a test. We you know we we think we've braced the boys for understanding that we're going to eat this animal that we've played around with and uh and so uh, we process it and, and no tears nothing like that they seem to be okay with it they're kind of just indifferent at first but uh the first meal we had where we sat down and we were having uh, was pork roast is that what it was yeah i think yeah, so So you, you'd made one of the roasts so we sat down and, and just waiting i didn't say anything about the boys to the boys and they sat down and, and our oldest was about halfway through it and he says is this notch I said, yeah, yeah, it is. I said, what do you think? He said, that's really good. And, and so then they were joking uh, from that point on, I got a little notch in my teeth. Oh, you've got some <laughs> notch left on your plate. Oh, can I have some more notch, please? So That's boys for you. Yeah, so they seem <laughs> to be okay with that. So, um, yeah, you just have to test that with your own kids or grandkids in that situation or yourself to see, okay, am I going to be able to do this? Well, we've obviously rambled on about uh, about pigs a lot, but let's, let's talk about some... Um, some mechanics here. So, how do you know? Uh, I, I, I dangled this carrot earlier in the podcast about saying, you know, how do you raise pastured pork for profit, or uh, or at least break even, so you've got free pork in your freezer, or you can make that extra money on your homestead. So, so let's get into that. Again, we talked about our model is pastured pastured pork. So, what's that mean? Well, it just means our pigs are not confined to a pig sty or a pig pen. They have the ability to walk around. They've got five acres to access. And at any time, we, we don't have any more than 30 pigs on farm. At one time, we had 34 during a, a very prolific uh, farrowing. Um, we had some loss. Um, so so we, don't, we don't try to finish that many hogs. We, we try to finish, I like, 25 or less is, is my goal. This year, we had 22, and then we have our four breeding sows. So we had 26 pigs on, on, on pasture. They have access to five acres, So that's a lot of pigs, and and some of you may say, well, I don't have five acres of pasture, so this is already, I'm gonna turn this off. It's already a a, a non-starter for me. But obviously, you don't have to raise that many. Our model we wanna show and explain, and what we discuss in our video, is that just start with three, like we did. And what you're gonna do with those three hogs is you're going to finish all three of them, and you can take one and process it for yourself. So, bang, you've got one whole hog to go in the freezer or to smoke can, however you're going to do it. You've got meat that will hopefully provide for your family for an entire year there. But the other two you're going to sell to friends, family, coworkers, whatever you can find. Find somebody that wants, just find two customers that will buy those whole hogs off of you. Now, again, we understand, we we fully realize and recognize that our area, our geographic area may be different than yours when it comes to prices and it comes to availability and it comes to demand or supply. You could be in Iowa where hog country is and everybody and their brother has a hog or you could be somewhere else, whether you know, it's, it's very prolific. Um, so, you know, obviously weigh what we're telling you, um, against your, your local situation there and, and be sure to do some homework. Don't just take this as gospel and say, Oh, Troy said I can make this much money. I'm going to go do it right now. So, um, So look at that. So start with three. So where do you get these three pigs? Well, this is, I feel this is very important and I don't want to offend anybody. If you guys run livestock auctions, then I apologize, but, uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to stereotype when I shouldn't, but we really recommend is our experience. Don't go buy feeder pigs from a livestock auction. Um, you just don't know what you're getting. If you want to buy piglets at weaning, Go find a farm. Go find a small small farmer like us, trying to trying to make some extra cash. That way, you can talk to the guy. You can see the pigs on the ground. You can see how they're being treated. You can see what they look like. You can see what they're being fed. And if you know, if a guy's not giving you this information, then okay, red flag. You know, maybe maybe we move on to somewhere else. But with an auction, all you're seeing is something come rolling in. It could have been pumped up. It could have been you know, whatever to to make it look healthy. And it could be it could be an absolute mess. And not to mention just livestock auctions in general. There's it's an opportunity for a lot of disease. It's kind of like uh, you know everybody licking the uh, water faucet at the airport. Yeah, <laughs> that's a face. It's a shame we don't have video on that. Yeah, it's obviously something you don't want to do. So there's um, there's a lot of opportunity for uh, for disease and all that stuff. And that's the last thing you want to do is is you try to do this endeavor. You, you you invest in your infrastructure. You do all that, and the day that comes to bring the pigs home, when you bring home um, some some sick pigs, and they're dead as Dillinger in a week. Yeah, that's that's definitely not what you want. So, I recommend looking for local farms, looking for those that are you know weaning these pigs and they're ready to sell them to you so you can kind of hit the ground running with that um, that's what we did we started we we bought from a local farm we started with three and then now we breed our own so obviously each year I don't have to go deal with that I don't have to go buy piglets uh, we breed our own but uh, when you're starting out just look for a good a good buyer um, as far as breed um, that's a whole nother discussion. We won't get into that. I mean, because there's obviously heritage breeds. There's commercial breeds. Uh, we're we're kind of making our own mutts with how we're doing our breeding. And we like the hybrid vigor we get. Uh, but we have a Duroc base. I uh, really like the meat and the consistency you get out of a Duroc. But we're we're trying some other stuff. In fact, these new ones are going to have some, um, some Berkshire in it. So I'm anxious to see how those turn out. So three pigs. You're going to finish three hogs. Uh, so what's the finishing time? We say seven months. This is our model. So again, the data I'm going to give you is based upon our model. This is real data. This is data that we calculated just last week. So I'm not picking up numbers. I'm not making everything arbitrary. It's, it's our model. So you can say, okay, I'm going to try to do Troy's model and hopefully it gets you in the ballpark. So seven months. So seven months lifespan. So if you're buying wiener pigs, (laughs) wean pigs, everybody laughs when I say wiener pigs, can't figure that out. Um, If you're mine pigs that have been weaned, depending on how a farmer does it, that may be five weeks to eight weeks. Um, We we always do eight weeks. So if you think a seven-month window, you've already got two months out of the way. So you're going to have, if you've got an eight-week-old pig, then you're going to have five more months that you're going to finish that. So the question is, okay, what about infrastructure? Well, we've talked about that. If you have pasture, great. Put them out on pasture, electric fence. Um, you got to do some training there. Uh, We can Obviously, that's, again, another discussion on how to train a pig Piglet to understand electric fence, um, but once you get past that, you know, you've got a great opportunity there to to really allow them to get some forage. Now, what if you say, "Hey, man, I live on an acre. I live on two acres. I'm not. I'm not sure I can pull this off." Well, you can still keep a pig in a pig sty. You can keep it in an area, but just understand. If people say, "Oh, I can't do pigs. Pigs stink." Well, why do pigs stink? Well, pigs stink because they are are forced to stay in a confined area and most people because a pig is is a large animal it can really drop some some feces they don't keep those areas clean with a pastured hog we rarely have have a smell Um, when we wean and we have to separate the pig the piglets we keep them in a in in the barn area that that sometimes gets a little funky right now there's probably a little tinge of of pig because of uh, all this rain we've been having they've been staying close to the barn uh, it's just been a muddy mess. So, um, the more confined you have a pig, the more um, the more animal husbandry skills you're going to have to do as far as keeping it clean, keeping it, uh, keeping some bedding down, keeping that. But anything about a pig is is they won't. Everyone says they lie on their own filth, but if you give them enough room in your in your in your paddock, your your pigs die. They'll actually pick a corner and say, mm-hmm. okay, this is the bathroom. This is where we're going to go. And I see that all the time, even with piglets when they're when, when we're weaning. So eight-week-old piglet, piglets, they all go the same corner. So you can go in there with a pitchfork and, and clean all that out and keep some fresh bedding down. So infrastructure is key. Uh, figure that out, how it fits your model. But then um, the next big cost that you're going to run to, of course, is the feed. So, okay, what are we talking about feed costs here to finish a pig for seven months? So, your first initial cost that, that I didn't address was when you buy these feeder pigs, you got to obviously buy them. So, what's the average cost of a feeder pig? It's all over the board. Right now, the pig prices are, are pretty much in the gutter. So, I would safely say $50 a head. Um, I know right now, uh, again, I don't go to livestock auctions, but I know right now that some livestock auctions are actually giving away. just if, if the lot's not doing well, then say, hey, just get these out of here. Um, but I would safely assume uh fifty ahead right now. So playing on 150 bucks you're gonna spend in, in getting those those piglets. So uh, so how do we um, how do we sell these pigs? Well when it comes time to process at seven months we sell them as holes or halves. So and again to keep this from being a complicated model let's just address whole. So you've got in this scenario, you, you get three pigs, you finish them at seven months, you're gonna take three to the processor. One's gonna come back and go in your freezer and the other two are going to come back and go to two customers that you found. How are you going to sell that? Well, you're going to sell that at $3.50 a pound hanging weight. And again, this is our model. You don't uh, you may not get that, you may be able to get more. Hanging weight is the weight of the pig, not when it's live and walking around, but after it's been put down and it's been gutted and skinned. So it's hanging up. That's why it's called hanging weight. It's it's hanging there in the in the first stages of processing. That is usually 72 to 76% of the total weight of that pig. So if you go to a processor, they'll say, okay, hanging weight is X. So you call your customers is what I do. I send an email out to all my customers and say, okay, your pig weighed X. So that's going to cost X times 350. That's what I need. Plus processing costs. We do not include processing costs on ours. And that's that's something that's extra. And we'll get into that. So so that's that's your goal is three fifty a pound for a whole. Now we do for a half just for the management of of taking a whole pig and, and and telling the processor split it this way, there's extra management that goes involved it's involved with that, and obviously just extra handling, we bump up a dollar a pound. So we go four fifty a pound on a half. So in that situation, if you can find four customers to split those two hogs, then you've got better profit potential. Okay, real quick, let's talk about feed costs. Now, I'm, like I said, I'm going to use real numbers here and I'm going to consult my notes, so bear with me if this seems a little dry. But uh, real data, this is from our last run. Uh, when did we start, kill We had pigs hit the ground in...
1: It was the last week of May.
0: Last week of May. That's right, because we were in sunny Florida when mm-hmm. my pigs were farrowing, yes. It was Not a, a ge- good experience. Yeah, who's a genius that did the calculations on that? Okay, so looking at feed costs. Now, here's, here's the thing. Um, when you're buying pig feed, don't go to Tractor Supply. Don't go to Royal King. Don't go to those places and buy your feed because you're going to go broke quick. You need to find a feedlot. We drive an hour uh, to get to our feed uh, uh, feedlot. Uh, I, uh, I say feedlot. That's not the correct term. A, a grain mill. Feed mill. Oh, my goodness. It's always been a long day. We drive an hour to get to our feed mill. And these guys are you know, full-blown custom mix. If I order over 1,000 pounds, I could do a custom mix, all that type of stuff. So they know what they're doing. Um, and I get a much better price. It's worth it. If I just go to some of the local feed stores or tractor supply, I pay double, exactly double to buy the same type of feed. So um, so what do we do? So when we, when we win our pigs at eight weeks, they've already had access to some feed. Because they kind of do both. Obviously, they get milk and cereal at the same time. <laughs> so, um, so they're used to feed at that point. But we, when we're ready to wean, we buy sixteen percent protein hog feed. So that's a little bit higher protein than what you would finish the hog with. You know, sixteen and twelve percent of the two types we're talking about. So I usually buy sixteen percent up to a certain spot. Now that's kind of arbitrary because I just look at basically I just look at the weight of the pig and I look at the weight of my wallet <laughs> and say, okay, these pigs are doing great, my wallet's not doing so great, so let's back her down a little bit. Um, but this year I bought now again. This is for this is for twenty two pigs. So you may say, okay, how are we going to do this math here? Well, I am going to come up with the average of the feed consumption per pig, and then that you can apply that to your this three hog scenario. So with twenty two pigs. I bought 7,500 pounds of 16% over the course of, uh, let's see, one, two, three months. And that total out-of-pocket was $1,008.85. So $1,008.85 for the 16% for 22 hogs. Then I moved on to 12%. And at 12%, uh, obviously my pigs are getting bigger. They're eating a lot more. So I bought 19,900 pounds of 12% throughout that time. And that was from, uh, looks like my first purchase was October 31st of 2016, my last purchase was January nineteenth of two thousand seventeen. I have nineteen. Obviously, I didn't buy that two years in the future. So um, from December, or from October to January, uh, nineteen thousand nine hundred pounds of feed was purchased for a total of twenty three seventy seven seventy. So two thousand three hundred seventy seven dollars and seventy cents. So grand total of feed combining my sixteen percent, my twelve percent was twenty seven thousand four hundred pounds. Total out of pocket and feed was $3,300 and 3386 55 So $3, $3,386.55. Again, that's 22 hogs. So you may think, wow, that's a lot of money. And again, that's 22 hogs. Talking to some guys that have 400, 500 hogs, I can't imagine what their feed bill looks like. So the thing I want to kind of put a pin in here and what I've learned after discussing, after releasing this video and discussing, that some people are saying, hey, your feed conversion should be better. You should be able to get your hogs to that weight with less feed. That may be the case. We're obviously going to experiment with some of this stuff. So let's just say this is worst-case scenario. But uh, one thing to point out, you can look at my schedule, and, and we're correcting that this year. My schedule, because of our climate, we're in Zone 6 in Central West Virginia. Our pigs, around October, you know, usually the 1st of October, 2nd week of October, we when our first hard frost comes on and kills everything. So we don't have any pasture replenishing then. So um, here we are in February, and we're getting our hogs. we got our hogs processed. So you can see that from October till now, they ain't nothing to eat. I mean, they're obviously uprooting roots and finding stuff underground, but there's not a lot of pasture. There's not any forage. All the acorns have been vacuumed out of the pasture. So uh, so yeah, they're just relying on a lot of feed right now. So uh, what we're doing to correct that is obviously that's why we're farrowing next week. Cause if we go seven months, that takes us to October. So we are ready to go to the processor before, before the first frost hits. So, um, that's going to make a big d- difference in feed conversion. I'm hoping. So we'll be able to, to look at that. So $3,300 out of pocket for feed. So the average feed consumption per hog is 1245 pounds. And that's where this, this one guy was telling me that has a lot of experience. Hey, that's a little high. You need to get a better conversion there. Um, but they, if we break that out to cost, my average feed cost per pig for 22 pigs is $153.94. So that's the that's the magic number we're going to look at. Because feed, you usually do not get. In our experience, we don't get a sliding scale. So if you say, well, wait a well, you're buying 19,000 pounds of feed. You're getting a better price. No, not the way these feed mills work. Most of them don't work that way. If I buy that much, it's the same unit price. It's still around, it's, I think it average is around $12. And it's a commodity, so it moves too. So sometimes... Sometimes it'll go as low as like eleven eighty six, and sometimes I've seen it as high as almost thirteen dollars. Just depends on how the um, how the local farms and suppliers are doing there. So let's let's remember this one hundred fifty three dollars and ninety four cents per per hog. So what are our pig costs that we're going to add up? So three feeder pigs, like I said, at fifty dollars a piece is hundred and fifty bucks. If we look at the feed cost to get them through seven months, that's hundred and fifty three dollars and ninety four cents times three. That's four sixty one eighty two. Add all that together, 611 um, dollars Let's look at processing. So throw processing on top of that. Processing is all over the board because you can do so many things with pork. You know, you're going to smoke your meat. You're going to do, you slice it. You're going to have it put in sausages. You're going to do Italian sausage. All those things cost extra. So for the sake of easy math and for a good average, let's say $200 per hog processing, so you put six hundred dollars on top of six eleven, that comes to a total out of pocket of twelve eleven eighty two. So that's twelve eleven eighty two. So one thousand two hundred eleven dollars eighty two cents to buy your piglets, raise them for seven months, giving them all this feed, and then take them to the processor and processing. Now I realize there's obviously some some nuance. So there's some other things that have to be addressed. Um probably be smaller, but you may look at it and say, well, this is investment and in infrastructure that I can uh, uh, you know, spread out over over the couple years if you continue to do this, if it's profitable. But also, this isn't a sure thing, too, because you could have loss, you could have uh, predation, you could have sickness, you could have a pig not put on weight, all those type of things. So again, this isn't a slam dunk, uh, but in this model, again, $1,211.82 total out of pocket. So again, so let's do the math here. Uh, Again, I'm using my model. So this is my 22 pigs that I ran, giving them this much feed. So the the real magic number is, okay, Troy, what was your hanging weight? So if that X variable that you expressed earlier, 350 a pound times the hanging weight is where this gross profit is going to come in. So what do we have? Well, my average on 22 hogs this year, (laughs) which was amazing because it was way higher than it was last year, was 277 pounds so we had some big old hams walking around (laughs) in fact we we were supposed to take uh, 15 to the processor the first run but the livestock trailer we use i could only get 12 in and that was almost stacking them sideways because they had some some chunky pigs walking around so 277 pounds so if you look at that math and say three dollars and fifty cents per pound at 277 pounds hanging, that's $969.50 per hog. So obviously if you're going to keep one hog for yourself in our scenario of three hogs, you keep one, so obviously you're not going to sell that. But you're going to sell the other two, that's nine sixty nine fifty times two. That's $1,939. So $1,939 minus the $12182 total out of pocket is a net of $727.18. So with two pigs that you sell out of the three, you not only got... I'll have my accountant check that. She's looking at my notes there. Is that right, accountant? Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah, it looks to be. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, all right. Seal of approval from the accountant. Um, I hope that's the case because I've been lying to people <laughs> if that's not. So.
1: No, I just wanted to see what you had written here. <laughs>
0: that's right. That's always good to have the accountant look at it after the fact. <laughs> no, so... So seven hundred dollars profit now again, please 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 don't don't pin me to the wall on that and say, okay I, I did what you seven months later'm I'm, I'm cussing Troy because I didn't make seven hundred twenty seven dollars a lot of variables um, I mentioned one big thing is transport you know it's it's all nice and easy to have pigs on your homestead until you realize okay, how do I get them there because you can't shoot them in the head and take them there dead that's they don't <laughs> that doesn't work they frown upon that you have to take them live so you have to have transport. And fortunately I have, I've got a very gracious neighbor who we, we, we do some trades and he's got a really nice livestock trailer and he lets us use that. Um, so that's an expense, whether you hire somebody, whether you, you you figure it out your own, whether you buy your own trailer, or you make a box in the back of your truck, and you don't put them in the back of your sedan, or don't put them in the back of your wife's uh, SUV when you buy them to bring them home the first time, because that's not a good idea either. That's a whole different they story. They do
1: wee, wee, wee all the way home. <laughs> it's true.
0: <laughs> that was great. I wish we were doing video at that point, because that would have been a hilarious video. It was like the... Um, exorcist of pigs they were squealing out one end and shooting things out the back of the other all the way it was an hour drive <laughs> oh. yeah that that vehicle smelled great for a while anyway we digress so seven hundred and twenty seven dollars profit potential raising three pigs on your homestead um three cust or two customers you need processing you got to find a good processor my goodness that's that's a whole nother story we can talk about the, the woes of having a lousy processor um, but that's um and that's a great opportunity to, to get started in, in hogs. And if you say, man, this worked great. I want to do this again. Uh, please, please, please don't go out and say, okay, I'm going, instead of buying three feeder hogs, I'm going to buy 30 and we're going to really ramp this up because everything, when you scale the amount of animals you have, then everything has to be scaled. So you're, and so when it comes time to talking about feed, I haul with my 22 hogs, I haul at times 6,000 uh, pounds of feed. Uh, an hour, one direction. Um, so that takes a large trailer, you know, my truck, a lot of fuel. Uh, so and those are the type of things that, that obviously I'm not putting in this cost assessment. So you know, if you have to drive like I do, then you're eating into that profit. Uh, that $727 gets eaten away a little bit. Um, if you need a tractor to, to haul things around, if you're going to buy these big bulk feeders, you know, with 22 pigs, we had to buy a big bulk feeder. All those things just add to it. So as you scale up from three pigs, you're going to have to have additional costs, but if you discover that hey, this this works for me, I've got the space on my homestead, uh, this worked out great. My two customers love it. They've told their friends they want more. Then, uh, then maybe try four or five next time. Uh, just 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 look and, and 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 just be cautious in your upscale on that. But I think it's a great opportunity to not only have a great time, great fun, and my goodness, who doesn't like bacon? I mean, we love bacon. We we sold out. Well, I'll I'll, I'll get to that point in a second. Another option, and I don't recommend this starting out because it really, it really had to do a lot more homework and it requires you to really look at what your state requires. But our other option we do, uh, like this year, 22 hogs, I didn't sell all 22 hogs as holes or halves to my customers. In fact, I sold a uh, minority of those to holes uh, as holes and halves. What we've done with our operation now, we're to the point where we have it processed commercially. So it's packaged. It has my Red House brand on it, and it comes back, and we actually store that here in our freezers, and then I can sell it as individual cuts. Well, I get larger unit costs on that. So, for example, a bag of sausage, a one-pound bag of sausage is $5.50 a pound. So if you think about it, okay, I can sell the whole hog for three fifty a pound, or I can sell individual cuts at a minimum of five fifty a pound. So that gives you a little bit more profit potential there, but obviously you got to move it all. Instead of finding two customers or four customers, you got to find a whole bunch of customers. So that gets into marketing, which is a, you know, a whole different animal here. But uh, so we've done that, and and that's been great, and because we go from five fifty a pound on sausage all the way up to we had to raise the price of our bacon because it went so fast last time to eight fifty a pound. So we last year we had somewhere around two hundred pounds of bacon, and we sold out of that in less than a month. I mean it just went. Fast. Well,
1: that's what everybody knows and what everybody wants, and sure.
0: so that's our... Yeah, how much smoked jowl did we sell last year, Kelly? <laughs> <laughs> one package,
1: two w- packages. <laughs> yeah,
0: and, and liver. What was it? Pork, pork liver. We sold one package of pork liver and one package <laughs> of smoked jowl. I was giving jowl away, which is funny because the smoked jowl, to us, tastes like bacon with just, just a little saltier and a little just is a little different consistency, but very bacon-esque. Um, didn't sell a bit of it. People look at you like you got a third yeah. eye on your head and you say, Hey, you want some jowl? No. Isn't that a pig cheek? Yes, it is, but it's <laughs> delicious pig cheek. Um, so, so that's a, another option. And, and we sold out a bacon. Um, you know, we, we moved a lot of cuts. You have stuff left over. Obviously you get to where like right now, as we're getting our new load coming in, people show up and say, like, Hey, you want a pork roast? <laughs> Welcome to our house. Here, have a pork roast. <laughs> oh, have a dozen eggs too. So, um, so that's another option as well, but again, that comes back. You got to check your state laws. You got to check all those deals. Find a processor that that can is inspected to be able to do those individual cuts like that. Because that's that's our problem. That's why we drive two hours away to go to a processor because nobody local can handle that. Um, so so that's that's it in a nutshell. Let me see if I missed anything, Kel. I don't think I have. Um, that's it in a nutshell as far as why we think. Uh, if you're homesteading and you want to try to make some extra cash you want to find a way to raise pork for free or, or, or put some put some money back in your pocket in this venture and you want to try pigs then then give this model a shot now i just threw a ton of data at you and uh, if you're like me and you listen to podcasts you're in the, you're in the truck so hopefully you weren't trying to write all this stuff down and i've caused you to jerk the wheel into a bridge abutment or something like that. So, so hopefully that's not the case, but, um, uh, I know Harold doesn't mind our shameless plugs here, but if you want to see details with visuals on this, then just go to YouTube search red tool house homestead. And it's our latest episode, episode 14. It's uh, it's all about this. And it, it, I have graphics that I bring up to show the individual data. I even show my individual feed bills for the, uh, for the entire year as I, as I purchased those. So that will, um, that that will explain that in a little more detail check that out if if you really want to explore this and feel free um you can go to the homestead front porch uh, just tag Troy mcclung if you want a question you know ask me a question about this I'll be more than happy to answer uh, anything I've done here and if you want to you want to maybe shoot some holes in what I've said or make some suggestions there again I'm I'm by no means an expert I don't claim to be an expert. I just I just know it's worked for us. I I haven't gone broke doing this. I've I've been able to supplement our income, reinvest that in our homestead and, and done some pretty neat things with that. So it's it's worked out great for us. And in my mind I thought I'm going to go to 60 pigs, I'm going to go 100 pigs. This is going to be great. We're going to be we're going to be the pork kings of West Virginia. And realized, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that at all. I want to stick where I am. I've got great customers. I love where I am right now. And managing less than 25 hogs at a time is great. I love it. It allows me to focus on other things. I don't want to be a hog farm. I want to be a homestead. But the hogs help supplement my homesteading dreams. Well, we'll wrap that up. Here I am at an hour again. And uh, try not to ramble on too much, but we've rambled on quite nicely. So we'll, uh, we'll wrap this up. Uh, Kelly, anything you want to add?
1: Should we mention that... Um You know, we had talked about the kids being around the pigs and um, maybe just need to mention that, you know, that the mama pigs are large pigs and we need to be careful with any large animal and having our kids in there. So we're well aware of that and um, making sure to monitor and not feel too safe, even though, you know, we've grown close to them, but still we need to be careful.
0: Well said. Spoken like a very responsible mother. (laughs) Yes. 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 Um, absolutely. Um, our sows right now are, are right around 600 pounds. And trust me, uh, when I go to feed them and a 600 pound sow steps on your toe because she wants it to feed bowl and, and you're in the way, it hurts. So just imagine, you know, if you've got small kids, you don't want them, uh, you don't want to leave them around in there. pigs. Um, can be aggressive obviously any any animal can be aggressive but you got 600 pounds coming at you they're, they're little bulldozers their center of gravity is so low they will take you out at the knees if uh, they decide to do so and the thing and that, not
1: that they're trying to yeah, <laughs> usually no, but
0: yeah no, i mean I, i've ours knocked, have
1: been pretty docile knock but on
0: wood. yeah i mean i've i've never had any issues with the pigs but you always hear these stories and you know, the one thing that always stops and, and sticks in my mind is during and it may gross some people out but during deer season when we get a deer, I I butcher it and skin it out, and uh, take care of all that myself. Well, I obviously have some extras when I uh, finish processing my deer, so I take it down to the pigs, and um, and they like to snack on uh, some venison as well. And I can when I watch a sow bite through the, the femur of a of a full size deer without without slowing down, it sounds like he's eating a bag of pretzels. Then that's an animal you got to respect. So. Uh, yeah, it's one of those things that uh, they've got some bite power, and they can they can take a finger clean off if you if you're not watching. So, and again, they just want to eat. If your finger looks like sausages, they'll be all over. And
1: when they're that big, they're slow. So it's not that they're coming after you, but just be careful with your kiddos. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I don't want to freak people out about that, but yeah, definitely you got to respect that. And, and and again, you guys as homesteaders know that you, know, you respect cattle, you respect pig, even respect a chicken for crying out loud. How many people get flogged by roosters? Um, so just keep that in mind, and that's that's a little PSA for you there. Just uh, if you get into hogs and you get around them, don't turn your back on my neighbor who's been a farmer for 30 years. He refuses to get into the um, hog pen with with me. I'm in there, you know, riding a pig, you know, you know sitting on him like it's a like it's a horse, like I'm um, Slim Pickens and and uh, riding a nuclear bomb in there. So it's it's just one of those things where. Uh, that's a really bad movie reference too, by the way. Um, it's one of those things where he's just, he's like, man, I've been around too many hogs. He said, I don't, I don't have anything to do with them. So he, he doesn't like getting in there. So just, just keep that in mind if you decide to raise. All right. So we'll, we'll close, we'll put a stick of fork in this thing and we'll, we'll get on the road here. Um, again, as, as we're hoping that Harold will be back next week, that that's tentatively his plan. He'll, uh, he'll let us know if that's not the case. Uh, again, please keep his mother in your prayers. We pray that she has uh, a recovery and can get out of ICU. And these complications from surgery are not uh, not too uh, severe. But again, check out uh, Harold's website, smalltownhomestead.com. Man, he's got a lot of stuff going on there, a lot of information. Um, blog updates I'm not quite sure how much blog work he's been able to do here recently but he's got a ton of blog stuff and if you're a content creator as well if you have a blog he's got uh, his thing called the blog hop so you can post your blog on there and it's a it's a great way of, of building community that's what I really like about Harold he's he's really focused on building homestead community he's not in this for money he's not in this for anything other than just seeing what he loves grow so that's why I appreciate about him and really like about his approach to this Again, if you're not in Facebook, man, you're missing some great conversation. Check out the Homestead Front Porch. It's a it's a private group. So just click the join. You have know, the request to join, and, and Harold will approve that and let you in there. And uh, and be ready for some great conversation. Again, I'm in there, so feel free to tag Troy McClung if you want, if you want to talk about uh, what we talked about tonight. Ask any questions there. But a uh, really good group of people. And it's growing like crazy. I think it's grown 300 to 500 members since we, we podcasted last week. So it's growing really well. Good conversation. So uh, check that out. And again, if you want to find out anything more about us, Kelly and Troy, and what we've got going on here in Central West Virginia, just go to RedToolhouse.com. You can Google Red Toolhouse. There's not too many other things out there like that. So uh, just Google that or go to RedToolhouse.com or check us out on YouTube. Well, we uh, pray that you all have a great week and take care.
1: Thank you. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for this podcast or listen to other podcast episodes, go to smalltownhomestead.com. There you can also read our blog, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, and take advantage of the many resources we make available to help you along in your homesteading journey. Please share this podcast and help us to carry out our mission of helping others to homestead today for a better tomorrow.